From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We kick off a new In Her Boots podcast series with Kelly Plackey Rome of Plackey Organic Acres and a member of the Organic Valley Cooperative. Kelly shares how her journey came full circle from growing up on the first organic farm in her county to earning an art degree and living in the Southwest to coming back to joining the family dairy. Kelly Plackey Rome is the herdswoman on her family's dairy farm outside of Cuba City, Wisconsin. Their farm has been certified organic since 1996, and they currently produce small grains, beef, and milk for Organic Valley. We are here for a new of our In Her Boots podcast series with Kelly Plackey Rome at her beautiful place here, Plackey Organic Acres in Southwest Wisconsin. Thank you so much, Kelly, for literally inviting us around your kitchen table to talk about farming, organics, and you're such an inspiring story because is it safe to say you wouldn't think you would have ended up here literally around your, your yeah. the, the kitchen table, maybe literally you grow up in the kitchen doing what you probably thought you weren't going to be doing of coming back to your family farm? Absolutely. Yeah. But when you, so you grew up here with your siblings and your parents and we're really, you probably didn't realize it at the time, right? When, what was it? You were like nine when your parents said you're going to switch to switch organic. to organics. Yeah. We had no idea what organic meant. Um, so we just went along with it because, you know, we had to do the milking and the mucking the manure every day and the feeding of the animals. So that, you know, none of that really changed for us. We just kind of kept going along with it and. Some of the management practices, obviously, that dad had to switch changed. But as far as our roles, it was still just working before and after school. So, <laughs> But now looking back, your dad really was a pioneer in looking at things differently, right? Totally. One of the, yep. the first organic farm here in the county. But but realizing that farms need to evolve and change, right? Or right. how do you reflect on that as a as a and grown adult now? But and the they were one of the first, like around 100, I think, is about the member that they were in Organic Valley. Um, oh, literally the, the hundredth farm, right around wow. there. And now there's over 2,000 farms. And that was in the 80s. No, nope, they started transitioning in '93 and started selling um, to Organic Valley in '97. And what motivated your dad? Well, okay. that was around the time where – so they had gone up to milking 80 cows at one point, and at that point, they also had all four of us who were all probably, well, I guess 12 and under. So they were just working so hard, you know, and their vet and other people were – and the bankers continued to say, like, well, you need to at least be probably milking, like, 100 cows, like – or you need to think about going away from doing dairy. 
So thank goodness at that time, there was a third option. And that third option was to transition to organic. And uh, right around the same time, too, mom had been um, subscribing to a lot of different organic, like Mother Earth News. And they started getting like Grays and Acres magazines, looking into a lot of and just I think a, a big part of it was thinking about young kids on a farm. You know, my dad had remembered uh, watching my grandpa mix fertilizer with his bare arm. And also around that time, he had two brothers who were having issue health issues because of exposure to chemicals on their farm on their home the home farm so there are just a lot of different factors i think that kind of pushed them to look for a third option and that and back then too your parents went to the moses conference back when it was at cincinnati right (laughs) and when it was just small they said maybe like 100 people yeah but found support yeah bottom line and information that's huge. That's huge. And we look back at it now and we see where things are with the industry. So, But you grew up in a dairy farm, dairy fam, family farm. And tell me where, where things went from there. Because you didn't, you didn't have the vision now, then, but you did some time to explore. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get as far away from the farm <laughs> as I could. And uh, I was always into design and art and... I thought I was going to go and be a landscape architect. Um, So that was actually what I started uh, in school down at Arizona State. You did fledge climates and states. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up switching to an art degree Um, after doing like interior design and some architecture for a little while. I switched to art. And then after that, I got involved in the art um, community down in downtown Phoenix and one time they have these first Friday events where it's like a big street party. All these galleries are open. There's food trucks everywhere. Just people all over in the streets doing live art. And my folks came down um, around my birthday and there happened to be a first Friday event going on. And they called me and said, you know, like, it's really kind of neat what you ha- guys have going on down there. And because um, we had my friend and I had started a little community garden slash gallery space. Mm. And um So my dad said, have you ever thought about just buying a house down there rather than renting? And no, I didn't because I was paying off student loans (laughs) and like I did not have money laying around to do that. So um, they helped me with a down payment. I ended up buying a house. Thank goodness. Right after everything crashed in 2009. And I was an art teacher, um, loved that job. Uh, But I just, you know, it's a paycheck to paycheck job. (laughs) as all teaching seems to be these days. And um, also I knew that I didn't want to live in the desert my whole life. It Mm -hmm. just was, I felt like I was in an unsustainable city. You know, millions of people live in the middle of the desert just didn't seem right to me. Um, And also I didn't like that I had to always be irrigating my garden. I wanted to live in a place where it wasn't so difficult to get a few tomatoes out of a plant. So when the opportunity came that I could sell my house for a lot more than what I had bought it for, I took it and got out of there, had no plan of what to do after, but I traveled and was loving it. And so you took a while. I mean, you did some heavy duty traveling, right? I mean, Yeah. Well, and so the most of the time that I was away from the farm was living in Phoenix and teaching. I was out there for 11 years. And then I traveled for 
a year and a half, two years. So went to Alaska and then spent a bunch of time in France uh, working on goat farms. And I was convinced that I was going to come back here and have a little goat herd alongside my dad's cow herd. And yeah, I quickly decided I didn't want to deal with that kind of fencing. (laughs) So what prompted, so you were traveling, but you have some inklings, you're back on farms. What prompted the transition then to come, come home? Well, and that was kind of why I'd started that um, community garden in Phoenix, too. I always had missed just that, like, connection to the land and connection to my food. So then that woofing program is what brought me to France. And, yeah. What is woofing for folks? uh, It stands for Worldwide Opportunities in Organic Farming. So I made it's like these a database of all kinds. You start scrolling that database. Yeah, and you, it's you buy awesome. a plane ticket the next day of all yes. these interesting places, interesting farms to totally. experience. That's great and different opportunities. It's it was amazing and, um, yeah. And I think that was kind of part of what taught me, uh, in that moment. Like you know, it really could be like the biggest art project that you ever want it to be. Oh. Like you can think of you know, yeah, any farmer's art. You, yeah, absolutely. So I think that was about the first time that I started thinking, like, just because my parents have a, you know, dairy farm, like, doesn't mean that if I went back home that I would have to, you know, make it continue to be a dairy farm or maybe I could just add a few different things and... Express yourself. Yeah. So that was actually... I was sitting on a train in France when I started designing my soap label because I knew I wanted to make soaps. And yeah, it just kind of... Then I was talking on the phone with my mom, and she was talking about how she needed another hand on the farm, and that was kind of the like the aha. I don't know why I needed that smack on my head, but it was like, yeah, why am I here in France working on this goat farm? Like when I could be, you know, assisting my folks who are getting older and need help. And and by this time, your other siblings had gone on to other oh careers, yeah. other places. Yep, I've got one who's. Got a chiropractic clinic in Washington State. There's a teacher down in northern Arizona. And my younger brother is out in Washington, D.C., working for the government. So, and none none of those three seem to be super interested in coming, like at some point maybe coming back to Wisconsin, but not so much coming back to run the farm. So So when you came (laughs) back, that was about, what, five years ago now? Yep. So you came with a mission to plant roots and be a part of the family farm business and reinvent things along the way. Yeah, try to reinvent things a bit, diversify things. Um, I thought, too, that I could, like, get young people around here more excited about farming, which I don't know if I've accomplished that yet. Oh, you're, you're doing lots of outreach and hosting. You, but you just it's, just, a- it's so interesting in Wisconsin. I feel like everybody grew up either on or around farms. So it's almost like when you're here, you take it for granted that there's so much, like – it's so rich in agriculture. And I think that that is what it took. Like it took leaving here for over 10 years to realize like how incredible we have it here. Irrigating in the desert. Absolutely. No, sure. Sure. So describe where things are now. Your, your Plucky Organic Acres is still with Organic Valley. I mean, the still, how, what's your herd size or how are you? So we're still milking, um, Anywhere between 30 and 40 cows, depending on the time of year. Uh, We milk year-round. I just switched to milking once a day so that my husband and I can actually get away from the farm a little while uh, in the afternoons every once in a while. But, 
yeah, so we make about, the farm makes about half of its income on the dairy and then the other half off of selling corn, uh, wheat, or sometimes excess hay if we've got it, depending on how that year goes. And that's all organic certified? Yep, all certified organic. But your cows are grain free, right? Are there grass? The cows are, yep. Completely grass. All grazing or forage, sword forage. Yep. And... So when you came back to the farm, did you feel like, I don't know, prepared or was it a learning curve in a new way or putting on old shoes in a new way? You know what I'm saying? Because you were here, but it was very different then. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that it definitely, it was a little bit of a mix of Okay, I remember obviously how to milk milking cows is kind of like riding a bike. You remember how to do it. <laughs> but it was a major learning curve as far as like really paying attention to the cows for like the herd health aspect of it, you know? Like that's what my dad used to do. We didn't have to like obviously if you see a cow who's hurt, you can tell that there's something going on, but it's kind of more reading those like other signals of the animals like which I think that only experience can uh teach you really yeah it was like a little bit of a mix of kind of uh following him around paying attention to what he was doing and then just like i said the experience of like being with those cows every single day um and yeah it's kind of the same with grazing too it's like you learn every single year how you messed up with grazing last year or what you did really well with grazing last year because your pastures absolutely reflect like how you treated it the year before. So that's been really interesting. You were talking earlier about your love for design and art and how those perspectives can translate to the farm and the business, right? I mean, you're, you're designing, you're creating. Well, it definitely, it's, it's like, I feel like we're kind of like designing our life, you know, Mm -hmm. and hoping that (laughs) the choices we make are going to end up paying us to do it. Um, which is kind of what we're exploring right now, different um, diversification uh, ideas, which include agroforestry, uh, agritourism, um, kind of doubling down on this milk soap that I had started, um, just thinking about different things like that. But yeah, as far as like farming as an art, I mean, in a very obvious uh, way you can see I have painted all over a bunch of buildings all over my farm <laughs> it's very beautiful so how do you see your background in art in those years where you were literally in a different world affecting you or uh, evolving your roots as a farmer now here sure I think it's Absolutely helps me to come at it from a different uh, perspective. Uh, If you spend your entire time in the bubble of a farm, which uh, that's absolutely what it becomes when, (laughs) especially with the dairy, it's very difficult to get away. Um, it, It gets pretty difficult to come up with new ways of doing things or to be able to maybe see a different way of how to go about doing something. And I really noticed that when I was kind of mentioning a few things to my dad right when I came back, it was just like, well, no, like, that's not how we do it. Like, this is, and it surprised me because especially he was the guy who thought 
20 years ago, hey, let's switch to organic, which was like totally trying to reinvent himself on with, you know, the farm. But yeah, that, I think that that really, it really helps me to come with a totally different set of eyes, like thinking like, this is how we can maybe like change things up or hope that, you know, we can make it work in a different way. Those fresh so, perspectives. Yeah, I think that looking that's at things. A yeah, big, that's awesome. Terrific. Big way that it has changed. Yeah. And the painting continues. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excellent. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.